0: I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus says, nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. Like I'm sure many of you This past week, I was completely swept up in the story of the Titan submersible, the small craft chartered by a company called Ocean Gate, to visit the deep sea site of the Titanic shipwreck with five passengers aboard. Of course, what was initially compelling about this story was the mystery. The small possibility for a few days last week that the submersible might be lost, but floating on the surface somewhere, that some lives could be saved. But as that became increasingly unlikely, and as we learned more and more about the risks that Ocean Gate knew existed with the integrity of the submersible, what became more fascinating was the nature of the tragedy itself. In an interview after the implosion of the craft was confirmed, James Cameron, the director of the film Titanic, and a deep sea explorer himself said this, I'm struck by the similarity of the Titanic disaster itself, where the captain was repeatedly warned about ice ahead of his ship. And yet he steamed up full speed into an ice field on a moonless night and many people died as a result. And for a very similar tragedy where warnings went unheeded to take place at the same exact site with all the safe diving that is going on around the world, I think it's just astonishing. It's really quite surreal. In that same interview, Cameron revealed that he has visited the Titanic shipwreck 33 times and calculates that he has spent more time aboard the Titanic than the captain of the ship ever did. It is clear there is something magnetic about the original tragedy, something that draws people to study it to catalog every bit of info about it, to know the names of everyone aboard, to write their stories and imagine what their final moments must have been like. Grace Church has its own connection to the Titanic. Back in the northwest corner of the church, you will find a memorial to Edith Course Evans, an unmarried woman in her 30s, a member of Grace Church. And of the 1,500 people that died, she is one of only four women in first class who lost their lives on that April night in 1912. At her memorial service here at Grace Church, Mrs. Caroline Brown declared that Miss Evans had given up a spot on a lifeboat to save her because Mrs. Brown had children and Miss Evans did not. To this day, tourists and visitors come to this church to see this memorial to talk about Edith Corse Evans, to remember her, her heroism, her selflessness, her supreme act of sacrifice. I like to think this desire to memorialize human lives and to contemplate the mistakes of our ancestors, the times that hubris got in the way, I like to think that is what lies at the heart of the desire to explore the ruins of the Titanic rather than a mere morbid fascination or a thrill-seeking way to burn through money. I was discussing the story this week with a friend as I was contemplating today's gospel passage. Jesus' exhortation to bring truth to the light. And my friend reminded me of another shipwreck worthy of this same kind of memorial project, bringing truth to light, the slave ship Clotilda. Clotilda was the last slave ship to smuggle African captives into the U.S more than 50 years after the official end of the Atlantic slave trade. The ship sank and the ruins were found in 2018 in the Mobile-Tensaw River Delta. My friend works in the film world and was a producer of a documentary that came out on Netflix, you can still watch it there, last year called Descendant. The film follows the descendants of this slave ship as they try to figure out how to best honor their ancestors. As my friend and I pondered together why people are still so fascinated by the Titanic, she reminded me of the deep sea diver Kamau Siddiqui who is interviewed in the documentary who explored the clotilda after it was discovered in 2018. Siddiqui is clear about why he does this diving and exploring. And he said, my motivation comes from a deep desire to restore memory, to correct injustices, and an embodied sense of ancestral connectivity. Of the 12 million Africans enslaved and brought across the Atlantic, 2 million perished on the journey. Not to mention the millions more that died in Africa, the Caribbean and the Americas as a consequence of European enslavement. And these people are restless souls who have never been laid to rest ritualistically. They have yet to rest in peace. I think it is important, he said, to appropriately memorialize those Africans, keep them in memory so that they are never forgotten, even those whose specific names we will never know. So until they are acknowledged and memorialized with respect, there will always be work to do. Siddiqui goes on to say, the transatlantic era of African enslavement caused massive historical trauma, practically on every continent. Of course, there's not much debate about that. But to put it in perspective, 1500 people died on the Titanic. Something that still captivates our imagination. Meanwhile, over the 400 years of enslavement and travel across the Atlantic Ocean, two million African people died on the ships alone. That works out to 5,000 people a year, more than three times the number who died on the Titanic every year for 400 years across the very same Atlantic Ocean. Kamau Siddiqui learned the skill of diving in order to be a part of the movement to understand and explore the shipwrecks of African American history. He says history is very relevant to the present, and if not studied and acknowledged, victims of history will always wander around lost and misguided. Truth can be painful, but necessary if we are to restore our humanity. This is exactly it. This is what Jesus says in the gospel today. Said again in this new way by Siddiqui, nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. When you listen to the whole gospel passage today, as you just did before I started preaching, you might have found yourself wondering what the heck Jesus is talking about. It doesn't sound very like Jesus, does it, to say, You think I'm here to bring peace? No, I'm here to bring a sword or to pit you against your mother-in-law or to pit you against your own child. But it is like Jesus to remind his followers that the way of Jesus, the path that he leads us on is not an easy one. It's not one without conflict, it's not one without pain, and it's not one that ignores the truth, or that lets secrets fester in dark corners. The way of Jesus is the way of light, light shining on the darkness that threatens to overtake any one of us. It is like Jesus to tell us, proclaim this from the rooftops. Go out into the world and tell the truth. It can be painful, but it can also restore our humanity. It can be easy to get caught up with this gospel passage thinking about today, about what Jesus might mean if he were talking to us in 2023 in the United States, in New York City. It could be easy to think that Jesus is encouraging division, disagreement, righteous separation from community or even your own family. But Jesus is actually speaking relatively early in his ministry just to the 12 disciples in this story, to the specific ones he has called away from ordinary lives into the ministry that he is setting up and to the life that he knows will be very hard and even end in death. And when we know that, we can see that Jesus is outlining what Christian community can be like if we are able to set aside our fears, if we are able to set aside the things that get in the way of our integrity. What were those early Christian communities like? There is a book put together from the Westar Seminar called After Jesus, Before Christianity. After Jesus, Before Christianity. About the earliest communities of Christ followers. These were migrants, peasants, day workers, craftspeople, and enslaved people. There were occasionally wealthy people in some of these groups. In others, there were none. The groups were primarily comprised of folks of meager means, at a time when there was no such thing as the middle class. Good news of Jesus, really, to them, mostly meant the way these people lived together was Countercultural. It focused on each other's aliveness rather than each other's utility. And the radical nature of these communities was how they lived together. Jesus speaks to the disciples who start these communities in this gospel passage. And in that way, we can see his words actually as comforting to them that whatever difficulties the disciples will face, they will be worth it in the end when Jesus comes again to bring about God's reign here on Earth. 2,000 years later, we are still waiting. We are still living in a world with vast income inequality, with enslavement and mistreatment of people, injustice, And division. But what do we hear from Jesus? To take up a sword? No, in fact, he says he will do that for us. He will bring the sword. What we hear from Jesus about what we should do is that we should bring whatever is in the dark into the light that we should tell the truth to save our lives. It does speak to us today, especially here in New York City as we celebrate LGBTQ pride today, always the last Sunday in June, commemorating that day in 1969 when communities of people, a lot like the disciples, stood up to the authority trying to shut down their way of gathering, their way of being community. It does speak to us today, especially at Grace Church, where we are proud of our connection to Edith Corse Evans, but we speak far less often of our connection to the transatlantic slave trade. The fact that some of our historic wealth can be tied to the labor of enslaved people. It's especially easy to trace through the life of Catherine Laurelard Wolfe, another wealthy unmarried woman who helped us build the parish house and the chantry with inherited money from her mother's family of Laurelard tobacco. Nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Shout it from the rooftops, Jesus tells us, the truth of God's love for us, the truth of our pasts, the stories of our ancestors and the lives of those who lost theirs, to show us the way to live today. Amen.